For that last episode of the season, I want us all to dive deep into the past and remember of first times. Whether they were a bit awkward, totally awesome or quite traumatic, every first is unique in the most literal sense of the word. There is only one first time and there is only one you or me. We spend ages imagining, for example, what our first kiss will be, what the first time we fall in love will be, until we finally experience it. We then confront our vision, our slowly, slowly cooked expectations with reality. Sometimes it fits and sometimes it doesn't. I remember really struggling with this as a teenager. I was not in the least prepared to face what happened to be a huge discrepancy between my imagination and the real world. I'm going to share a bit of my own story now, so bear with me. I guess I can't really encourage everyone to be vulnerable and not expose myself a little bit. I have mentioned in a former episode how big it was for me to be in a relationship when I was a teenager. It was never about the first time I would kiss or have sex with someone that came a little bit later. But what mattered the most was the first time I would actually experience real reciprocated love. I, unfortunately, grew up in a cray-cray Christian cult that explained to me, among many other weird stuff, that the punishment for kissing a girl I was not married to would be death on Judgment Day. Yeah, I was in love all the time, but couldn't do anything about it. I was stuck in a loop dreaming of things I couldn't get. So slowly, I removed myself from the real world and lived in a parallel universe. That was my imagination. Building up that moment when I will finally experience real love, feeding my imagination with cliches coming straight from movies and rock ballads. Let me tell you, that didn't really help. Eventually, and before getting too fucked up, I got myself out of the religious madness. So when I eventually got into my first relationship, and that was only a few days later, you can imagine that nothing, nothing went the way I thought it would. The reality check was just awful. I couldn't understand why what I was living didn't match my expectations. I got so upset, so mad for being so naive and just such a weirdo that I totally blamed myself for what I thought was a huge failure on my part. That example, I think, does illustrate how environment and imagination can lead us to have a completely biased vision of life, love and relationships. There is unfortunately nothing we can do to escape from that because we are the result of our experiences. And that's because before we do know, we don't know. And that's also why I'm keen with this podcast to share stories. We can't blame ourselves for making mistakes or labeling our relationships as failures if they didn't go the way we planned. We all have a backstory. We all built our own views on love and relationships through our past experiences or on filters. And sometimes it just doesn't fit until it does. No one knows how to make it simply by nature. I certainly didn't. No one does until we try. I have heard people around me blaming themselves so much for what they think were mistakes when really they were just attempts. Necessary, brave, vulnerable, wonderful attempts to be happy in the real world. As hard as it sounds, I think it's still the right thing to do. We're all a bit weird, and I say that in a very kind way. That's what it is to be unique. Might be hard to accept, but that's reality. Samuel's story starts four years ago when he was only 17 and is definitely a story of firsts, of attempts and of hope. I, I always grew up in a, in a small town just outside of Falkirk, small village. And 
being gay in a small village was really hard at times. It was quite lonely and I used to often wonder if there was another gay teenager within a 50 mile radius of me. So, yeah, I came out at 14, which was um, extremely young to come out. And then there was a kind of space in between being 14 and being 17, 18 that nothing really happened. And in that time, all my friends were going to parties and meeting guys and I wasn't. At the time, I think I blamed myself a lot for that. But yeah, I did always badly want a boyfriend. <laughs> um, there didn't seem to be much opportunity. I downloaded this dating app, which was probably not as common as it is now. So I kind of didn't tell anyone about it. Just kept it quiet out of embarrassment. And I went on it and made a profile. I was just kind of looking through and it was full of a lot of older men which I was like nope <laughs> this isn't for me and then I did see this one guy Ronan he was from Glasgow we started chatting and I sent the first message and he was really blunt with me at first and I was not impressed at all <laughs> really kind of blunt uninterested he was really rude actually just seemed like a bit of a prick and I was <laughs> just not impressed like I said um, it seems so bad to say it but he was literally the only guy the same age as me on that particular site so <laughs> he was very handsome as well he had a very kind face I find that quite attractive people with kind faces randomly one day I got um, a friend's request on Facebook and it was him, which I was quite shocked about. So I accepted it. I kind of expected him to message me, but he didn't. <laughs> so I was like, what's this guy playing at? I kind of played with the idea of messaging him and trying again, and I did eventually. I hadn't really met any guys before. I don't know what I wanted. I'd been on, like, maybe one or two dates of a girl, obviously, and that didn't work Facebook and he is much much more kind of responsive <laughs> to me um, even though he'd been a bit of a dick to me previously I still kind of got that butterfly feeling in my stomach because like I said he did have that kind face <laughs> so I maybe thought deep down he was a good guy tried for about a week and then we arranged me up to go on a first date. It was a huge thing to me. I'd never been on a proper date. So we arranged to go on the date. I got the train through. It was on bonfire night. Guy Fox night. 
and it was absolutely freezing cold. Probably the coldest I've ever been in my life and I decided to wear this really thin jacket, which is a big mistake. At the time going to Glasgow, it sounds stupid now, but it was a big thing for me because I was younger and like I said, I came from quite a small village. So I got the train through. I don't think I'd ever been so nervous about anything in my life. I really wanted him to like me actually, which which seems a bit sad looking back because because I was so lonely in terms of finding people to date and I think I was just desperate for him to like me. I really set myself up for him not liking me for some reason. I went in with expectations of him not to like me. So I got to the train station and I was waiting for him. He came up to me and he was he was nice, he was fine. But I, I was really nervous. I was like shaking and everything. <laughs> but instantly when he did come up to me I felt calm and I felt relaxed, which was nice. Um, I didn't expect to feel that way. I'm just quite a naturally nervous person <laughs> anyway, so he literally just acted so normal, like he was meeting a friend or, you know, the pressure was taken off straight away. We went and watched fireworks and he gave me his jacket because I was so cold, which is like, at the time I thought that was <laughs> the most romantic thing in the world. <laughs> I was like, I have to marry this guy. It was a new type of happiness that I'd never felt before. It was it was strange, but it was nice. I'd heard people talk about that before, and I always got really jealous when I heard people talk about that because I'd never had it, and I convinced myself I'd never get it. It was strange when I was with him because it felt like all the kind of other worries that I had in life had kind of gone away, which was another new feeling. It really cheered me up, brought me back to life out of the way I'd been feeling about dating and if there was ever anyone actually available or, you know, he gave me hope. I remember at the end of the night I just thought, I need to see you again. <laughs> um, I didn't know if I wanted to see him again because I liked him or because he was the first person that I'd even been on a date with seeing this guy again just because he's a guy and he's gay and he's 17 as well. He was really funny. Um, we kind of shared the same sense of humour which is a huge thing for me. Um, I remember like actually being <laughs> quite physically sore because he made me laugh so much and I made him laugh as well, which was, you know, good. And we just had fun. We went and watched fireworks, then we went on a little walk around Glasgow. And they showed me around, they showed me a few cool places, and it was really nice. So I got on the train home, still freezing cold. I remember it was probably the last train home. We were just constantly texting each other. So I was like, maybe he does like me, actually. Um, 
I think when we were actually on the train, we <laughs> already arranged to see each other again. I was young and excited, so I was like, yeah, fuck it. We'll go on the second date. And we did. At the start, it was quite difficult because we we lived so far away. What he had to do, he got a train from his town in Glasgow, Glasgow City Centre, Glasgow to Falkirk. And then from Falkirk, he would walk an hour to the village that I stayed. Um, well, I would usually walk down to the train station and we'd walk back together. It kind of became a little routine that we had. It was so romantic and so lovely that he made that effort. Because it was Christmas time, it'd be like snowing and like blizzards and stuff <laughs> would like be walking through them. I always find it quite hard to straight away be myself with new people. I don't know why, I've just always been that way. And I didn't have that with him. And he was probably the first and one of the only people I've been like that with. We didn't really ever talk about anything serious, but I did still have those feelings of, um, you know, attraction, and I liked the way he was, and yeah, and I did, I did see potential for it to kind of develop into something, something more serious. I think eventually we did end up having a kind of serious conversation. We just decided to get together and become boyfriend and boyfriend, which um, I was so happy about. I think everyone was happy for me, my mum and my family and friends. I felt like the luckiest person alive. My feelings for him were so strong, stronger than I'd ever had before, I ever have had. He was the first guy, the first and only guy that I've ever really been in love with to this day. He met my family and he met my friends. He got along amazingly with them, which I kind of, I guess he loved him even more for that. And he made an effort with them. But it was always really difficult for me because he wasn't out as gay to his parents. And I only actually found that out after being together for um, a couple of months. I genuinely didn't care because it's not my place to say, well, you should come out as gay because you have a boyfriend now. Of course not. The thing that bothered me was the entire time we were together, I had been kept a secret from everyone. His friends, his family, work colleagues, you know. Every time he came to see me, he was telling his parents that he was going to see his friends, telling his friends he was with his parents, you know. I guess I was 50-50 about it because, like I said, the part of me thought, I understand this, I get it. Another part of me thought, I really fucking hate being your secret. It feels like, it just feels shit, it made me feel shit. And it almost felt like an affair, and 
which is awful because it wasn't. What I would do is um, I would kind of convince myself he didn't tell anyone just because he didn't want to. Just because maybe he didn't think I'd get along with his parents or like his friends or his friends wouldn't like me. So I kind of put it down to me as a person rather than him and him not coming out. And that went on the entire relationship. Yeah, so for two years I was a secret. For a long time it was good. It was great. Everyone kind of used to tell us that we were the perfect couple and I, I feel like a knob for saying that but people did actually say it and it was like having a best friend and a boyfriend which I loved. It was so much better than I thought it'd be. I always got the excitement and <laughs> every time I'd seen him I still felt nervous, which really fucking annoyed me in the end because I was like, why am I still nervous? And I have to admit, even to the very end, I still felt like that. And like I said, he, he got along with everyone so well. We could do stuff with my friends and I kind of think, why can't I do this with your friends? Why can't I go for dinner with your mum or, or sister? Or... I kind of became a little bit jealous that he got to do that with my family and my friends and I couldn't do that with his. The thing about Ronan was he was quite good at lying. For the two years he continuously managed to convince or, or lie to everyone about where he was and what he was doing and that worried me as well. He ended up getting a job in a club in Glasgow. So he was working there every weekend and we usually seen each other at the weekend. So because he was working, we started to see each other less. So I got frustrated. Um, then eventually there was one night he was staying um, over at mine. He was asleep, we were in bed and um, I was just lying there awake and his phone went off. I don't know why but I felt the need to check it. I felt like it was quite late so it was like maybe it's something important. Previously he told me about this other gay guy he'd been, he'd been working in the club with and um, he, he mentioned to me that the guy had been quite flirty with him. I thought, if he's telling me this, like, why would he be lying? What would he gain from telling me about that? So I checked the phone. There was a message from the guy. It said um, it was something sexual and, like, you know, a sext. And I didn't read it. I couldn't. 
I just put the phone down. I went into the next room and I went to sleep. Well, I didn't go to sleep, I just lay in bed thinking. I had to make a decision of should I confront him about this or, you know, what did I do? This is my first relationship, I don't know how to address something like this. So in the morning, I planned to confront him about it. I was going to go up to him and I was going to say, um, you know, what's this? Not in an aggressive way, of course, just, you know, talk to him about it, figure out what's going on, get the, you know, understand the situation, I guess. But I went into the room where he was sleeping and I just didn't do it. I chickened out of it. If I said that to him, first thing he'd be like is, why were you checking my phone, you know? Um, I didn't know what to do from that point. Because I didn't read the text as well, there was also a part of me that thought maybe this guy was just sending this, you know? I don't know the real context of what's going on. So I didn't want to, like, jump to conclusions. There was a part of me that you know, I, just, I thought, he couldn't do that to me, like, of course he wouldn't. And I, I didn't say anything to him, ever. I don't know, to this day still, if I was right or I was wrong. After that happened, I kind of knew, I knew it was going to end, basically. I was starting to put my kind of defence shield back up, the one that I had before I met him. I started to become my 17-year-old self again, the one who was lonely. Because in the relationship in the end, I did feel very lonely. I didn't just feel sad, I felt depressed. I felt this being with him, it's not, it's not good, it's bad. It's, it's making me a bad person. I, I think I did become quite not a nice person. Which is probably my biggest regret, the person I became in the end. I probably should have ended it before, before I started acting the way I did, and before I started feeling depressed and sad. Eventually one day he came over we were just sitting, watching TV. I think we were watching <laughs> The Real Housewives of New York, some classy TV. <sighs> and I turned the TV off and I turned around to him and I said, I want to finish this. I want to break up with you. And 
the most painful, heartbreaking part of that moment was seeing the relief on his face. He, it literally looked like a weight had been lifted off his shoulders and that hurt me because I could tell he just wasn't hurt by it. He wasn't. He wasn't upset, but he pretended to be upset. I could tell he was pretending. He just didn't give a shit. And I was devastated because I didn't plan it. I knew it was going to happen, but I didn't plan it specifically for that day. And as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I thought, that's it. It's over. Two years of happiness is gone. It was just a really devastating moment. It was awful. I um, I was in hysterics crying. Um, I... I literally sat up. I sat up all the rest of the day and most of the night just crying. And he sat with me and he helped me when I cried. Which, it was good of him. He didn't have to do that. But I think half of me was just crying because he just looked so... He just looked content with it. And he just... It was more like a, oh, okay, for him. Rather than... What I thought at the time was, this is the hardest part. This moment is the hardest part. I didn't realise at the time that wasn't going to be the hardest part. When I broke up with him, we decided to stay friends, which... It was almost like... I don't want, I suppose I could say addiction in a way, you know, I was, I needed him in my life, I became dependent on him in some ways, you know, emotionally, he was like something in my life that made me feel happy, so for that to be taken away so suddenly, I couldn't have that, so that continued on for quite a while, until about a year ago. We've seen each other like once a week, which is that's quite a lot for for someone to see their their friend. Um, I know that being friends for him was easy. I could just tell it was easy for him, and it was absolutely terrible for me. <laughs> I knew that he was going on dates and things like that. We used to talk about it as well. Inside, I was, like, feeling so much pain when he would talk about it and tell me. But I would be sitting there having to pretend that I was interested. I wanted to Grim to swallow me up. I was feeling awful because of him. Are you hopeful at any point? Yeah, I... I thought about it a lot. I was like, maybe this is just a bad patch for us. Maybe we can sort this out. And So the hope, it was always there. And like I said, I never talked to him about that because I knew he would just shut it down and, and tell me no. 
because I knew he didn't want it. And I suppose he was my first love. I didn't want to let go and it was hard to let it go. I think I learned a lot in terms of, um, you know, the normal stuff like how to date or, you know, how to be in a relationship. Not that there's a specific way to be in a relationship, but I kind of found out how I am like that. I found out that I'm quite generous in a relationship, you know, I didn't know I was like that before. I'm quite protective. I didn't know I was like that before. So I found out actual things about myself, which was interesting. Was there a time where you were scared that you would go back to the 17-year-old Samuel? Yeah, I was petrified I was going to be that person again. I do get scared sometimes that even now I'll, I'll get like that again. I know I probably wouldn't allow myself to because I would just do anything to get rid of those feelings as they were coming back. You trust yourself to be able to do that? Totally, yeah. I know I myself, and I know I wouldn't become that person again. I'm 21-year-old Samuel. It's very different. How do you feel about the future? You know, How do you feel about your love life? Really hopeful, actually. I quite enjoy being single because I think I'm at a part of my life where I'm just feeling a bit lazy with <laughs> dating and relationships, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm just, every month or two, I'll go on a random date, but I know that when the time does come, that someone comes along, whenever that will be, I know I'm going to approach it in a different way. I'm going to take it more slow. I'm going to not be so hard on myself. I definitely can't be so hard on myself anymore. I blamed myself for a lot of it. You know, I felt ashamed of myself for letting the relationship die and you know I was my own worst enemy I blamed myself it was me I'm very thankful that I'm not like that anymore because you know be kind to yourself is the lesson that I've learned look after myself like look after my my thoughts and and share my thoughts and don't punish yourself for something that's not your fault and that would be my advice to anyone. I can, you know, I am capable of finding that with someone else. You know, I'm capable of love. Someone can love me. Even though I got to a bad place again, I brought myself out of it. And I know now that it's possible to meet people and it's possible to be happy within a relationship.
Have you noticed how good we all are to blame ourselves for some reason? What Samuel learned thanks to this difficult relationship is to be kind to himself. I mean, I know how many people will roll their eyes right now. It might seem so obvious, but again, have you noticed how much better we are at blaming ourselves instead? This is the end of season two of the Breaking Point podcast, and I'm leaving you for a bit on that note. Thank you so much for listening and for all the support I got episode after episode. There will be a season three. At least I'm going to try really hard to make it happen because I mentioned in the last episode, certain things are about to change. And as I speak, it's only a matter of hours, maybe. Please share this podcast with your friends, like and share a page on Facebook so I can find other people willing to share their stories. Thank you again so much for listening and we'll come back in 2018 for new episodes of this podcast.